Hey, good morning, Regen. How's it going? Guys, I'm starting to have this, like, crisis of conscience that everybody only comes when we're not here. Do you know what I mean? It's like everybody's like, oh, good, he's not here, let's go. Um, so anyway, it's fine. I'm not taking it personally or anything. It's fine. Um, I'm not going to cry about it later. Um, hey, uh, it's super good to be with you. The traveling shoes are off, and uh, we got to be with Steph's family in South Dakota, or Sodak, as people call it. And they don't. They don't call it that. And... Um, that's what I call it. Um, so it was super cool, and, uh, but we're really, really glad to be back. A uh, few things uh, that are going on in our life together. Uh, this coming week is our summer camp. So that's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night from 6 to 8 uh, is our summer camp. And there's a couple of different tracks the kids are doing. We have a big volunteer staff, so thanks for those of you who are making that happen this week. And then next weekend, we have baptisms and reaffirmations and baby dedications. It is going to be... It's not just going to be a party, it's going to be a partay, right? So be buckled down for that. Thank you for kind of laughing to yourself about that. Um, okay, a few other things. Our, summer, our last summer feast is August 5th, and that's the Bach, it's at the Bockers in uh, Southington. The Bockers are part of the big, beautiful Southington crew that usually sits here, but last night... Uh, Brendan and Brittany got married. I got to officiate that and see a whole bunch of people. So another wedding in the books. What's that? So they're all sleeping it off. So there they are. If you're listening online, Bockers, we love you. Um, and congrats to Brittany and Brendan. Uh, our check-ins this month go to World Relief, which is one of the largest Christian relief organizations in the world. So pull out your phone, check in on Facebook, and we'll generate a donation to them for you. Um, in your program this morning, there's something about a fall kickoff prayer meeting. We put that in there and then actually started reading our calendars and realized that won't work. So go ahead and X that off. Um, we'll probably come up with another way to launch our prayer year, but we're going to figure what, out what that is. Um, one of the cool things that we're doing as we kind of move into the fall uh, is we're launching these things that we call circles which are really just smaller communities uh, that practice predictable patterns of what we call up, in, and out. So up is our relationship with our Father, in is our relationship with each other as followers of Jesus, and out is our relationship with those who do not yet know. And, uh, and so we, there's some predictable patterns that we in, in kind of have built into each of those, and we're going to be launching three of those communities uh, one, hopefully, in the Champion-Southington area, one in Hallen and one in Cortland uh, at the beginning of September, and really want to encourage you to make that a part of your schedule this coming fall. I know there's going to be one on a Tuesday. There's going to be one on a Thursday. Our student circle that has been meeting on Sunday nights, which is for students in grades 6 through 12, has been do going so well that they actually put a hole in my deck, um, which is really okay because it's, like, really rotting away. So that's good because it moves us faster to getting a new deck, which is super cool. And uh, so the reason that we give um, is, again, not to buy God's thing. And uh, I have a friend here that's going to talk about a lot of this today, and I'm excited about it. It's not to buy God's attention or affection. It's really aligning our hearts with his, because Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So um, let me pray, and then basically I'll hand you those buckets if you can make them go backwards, and then uh, we'll take care of them from there. Josh will take care of them from there. So... Hey, Father, thank you that your character is the same throughout every season. 
Um, thank you uh, for the ways that this community has come alongside us in the midst of all of our not good and uh, has consistently pointed us to your goodness. God, thank you for your patience with us when we believe that you are less than who you are. Uh, and thank you for how you show up in ways that prove that you are actually more than who we are, who we believe you are to be. And so, God, as we give to you today, we do it out of that heart of awe and, and um, amazement at who you are. It comes from a heart of worship and a heart of a lot to align our everything with who you are. So have our loyalty today, Jesus, as we follow you, not only in the transformation of our lives and our families, but also in the transformation of our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Winnie the Pooh says uh, that it's the tiniest things in our hearts that take up the most room. It's the tiniest things in our hearts that take up the most room. And so let's just kind of go to the Father together. And, um, you know, Father, there's a lot of other things that we adore. There's tiny things in our hearts that take up a lot of room. And so, God, we just kind of point at the money and the power we point at sex, we point at lust, we point at all of these things that kind of drive our attention and drive our adoration and really just invite you uh, to rearrange the furniture of our hearts this morning. And so, um, God, for everyone, God, even like kids that are in this room, that so much of this is kind of beyond their attention span, maybe, or their comprehension with these little ones. God, would your Holy Spirit be drawing all of us further into your heart, Father, that we uh, could share that with the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat, friends. Okay, so kids are going back with Miss Cat and Miss Candace, who is back after two weeks. Everybody say hi, Candace. Uh, okay, everybody's not exactly excited about greeting Candace. That's fine. Okay. It's kind of like... <laughs> um, so there's this interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 4, um, and Paul says, I do, not write to make, I do not write these things to make you feel ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In, in the gospel of Jesus, in his good news, we are drawn into a family where we have brothers and sisters, we have mothers and fathers. Frankly, we even have spiritual sons and daughters, those people that we invest our lives and ourselves into. And in September of 2016, I kind of, not kind of, I encountered a man who I would now say kind of fits this role as spiritual father. I, uh, I found at, in that season of life and ministry that there were some things going on inside of me that I felt God inviting me to pay attention to, and I didn't know how. And so I reached out for something called spiritual direction. And spiritual direction, when you Google it, looks just as much like tarot card reading and craziness as it does what Dan has offered me. But really, my friend Dan is really nothing more um, than Frankie is on the move, and I love it. Um, uh, then really nothing more than helping me pay attention to what God is trying to do inside of me and come alongside that work. And so um, Dan and I speak uh, via FaceTime once a month and occasionally in person when I get to be in uh, Dayton for seminary classes. And um, it has really grown my ability to hear from God 
and to listen to his voice. And so when we got to this point in our series, Stranger Things, in Matthew 6, where Jesus is writing a lot about prayer and fasting, I really wanted Dan to come and speak to us about that because an interesting thing happened when um, I sent out a survey recently on Facebook about what do you want me to preach about in the next upcoming years, which, fun fact, 2019 is the year of First and Second Samuel, and 2020, if Jesus tarries, is the year of uh, the book of Romans, much to my dismay. Um, with some other things interspersed in there. But one of the things that everybody said they wanted to hear preached on most was prayer and that hearing from God. And that is an area where I am constantly growing. I think people that have been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years would tell you that's that. And so I couldn't think of a better person than Dan to come and share with this. Dan is one of the cadre of people that stand between me and my ego getting too big, my sin taking over and my leadership, um, first, in, first line of defense is Stephanie Tennant, uh, and second line of defense are people like Dan and a lot of you in this room who stopped me, in the words of Dr. Winfred Omar Neely, Moody Bible Institute, stopped me from getting the big head and, um, and stopped me from running amok. And so I'm really thankful for Dan. Uh, Dan, I think if you walk away this morning not having learned about how to foster that connection with God, it's just because you weren't listening. Uh, because this is going to be a really great flyover of a lot of these things. So, Dan, why don't you situate yourself? Um, Dan, is, Dan is, was a pastor for many years in a variety of contexts. He helped build the Internet in Cincinnati. I keep saying that because it just sounds really it cool. Sounds so cool. It sounds so cool. And, um, and has just become a really great friend. I, what's funny is I've, been, I've known him for two years and, like, Steph just met him for the first time last night, but it all makes sense, and I think he'll make sense to you too. So let me pray and then we'll do this. Okay. Um, hey dad, thank you so much for uh, just who you are to us and how you supply people in seasons. And so God, speak through Dan today. Help us to hear your voice in what he says uh, and do what you say when you say it. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. Um, it's already been a great day in so, so many ways. I, I met at least six other dudes named Dan. <laughs> we formed a boy band. They voted me out because the gray beard. But, hey, I wish you all the best. I hope the band continues without me. Um, so, yeah, anyway, thanks, Kyle. That's nothing if not a little intimidating. But, hey, here we go. Uh, too late to back out now, I think. Um, yeah, so in spiritual direction, what I want to do this morning is draw on my experience in, in sitting with uh, dozens and dozens of dozens, easy for you to say, dozens of people over the last 10 years or so for hundreds and hundreds of hours. And it's a beautiful thing to get to do. And uh, it's really cool that I got to meet Kyle and Steph in the process of of that work. Um, but there's certain recurring themes I want to draw on for what I say today um, to let you know that um, whatever your experience of prayer is, um, you're, you're, you're in good company. There's a lot of people that struggle with prayer. Um, not that you do, I'm not assuming that. But as I meet with people, um, there's certain recurring themes. And the, the, this idea of uh, deepening my prayer life is one of them. And um, so inevitably, it usually comes back to prayer as we're talking. Um, so there's, 
there's that. And this, this other thing that's also tied to prayer, uh, I meet a lot of people that, especially if they're raised in the church, like your generation, which I have kids that are, well, not Art and Pam, sorry, but the rest of you that, yeah. Um, but if you're raised in the church, uh, you know a lot. You know a lot of Bible. You know a lot of theology. You know a lot of church stuff already. And that's good because we need a theological substructure for our experience. But what a lot of people say to me are things like, yeah, I've, I've got so much God and Jesus and Bible up here. When does it like come down here? How do I get it from here down to here? When do I kind of experience a little more than just, you know, the, the world of cognitive, conceptual ideas. So that's a big one. And hopefully, you know, maybe I'll say something on purpose or by accident this morning that'll help you kind of start to make that connection from head to heart to body. Um, so there's uh, another recurring theme is I just find prayer boring. It's like, I know I'm supposed to do it, but it feels dry, right? It feels dry. So that's really, really common. It's actually predictable. And if you find yourself in a season of dryness with prayer, yeah, don't despair. You know, that's part of the deal. That comes and goes. But there's um, a passage in Scripture. There's a lot of passages in Scripture about that dry spell. And uh, so you're in really, really good company. You're just like the people in the Bible. So listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 42. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God, right? So there's, there's some frustration there, some frustration with prayer. God seems distant. And this is this weird paradox because Jesus said, hey, if you come to me, um, I will, is this falling off? Yeah, my ear moved. Um, Jesus said, if you come to me, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'll give you spiritual water to drink. I might need a handheld. My, my ears are uh, ill-equipped for this. So, sorry. Brief. See, that's how, I, uh, that's how I roll. Me and technology, my wife says, man, you should get all Apple stuff because you're hopeless. Anyway, I don't know what I was talking about. I think it had something to do with prayer. Uh, but this idea of just being thirsty and realizing if you go through a season of dryness, don't, don't freak out. Don't worry. God has not left the building. You're, you're in really good company. This is part of our journey. And it actually means that God is communicating something to you. Usually if you're in a place of dryness, there's an invitation there, right? There's, God is trying to communicate to you. He gives you training wheels for a while. They work really great. And all of a sudden, he takes them off. He doesn't warn you. And the bike falls over and you go, well, what's going on? He says, all right, this time I want to teach you how to balance this bike. So when you're going through a dry spell, a lot of times what that means is God is saying, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. This is, you know, I'm going to put your big boy, big girl pants on now, and training wheels are off, and we're going to go deeper into this thing, all right? So that happens a lot. Another thing that comes up is uh, shame, uh, embarrassment. Uh, it's like, man, I've been following Jesus for a, a long time. I should have this prayer thing dialed in. But, uh, man, I, I kind of stink at it. Uh, I look at Marjorie over there, and she's a prayer warrior. Yeah, we love our prayer warriors, right? We want them 
praying for us, but they kind of make us angry because, like, I can't do that. So these people that get up at four in the morning and they'll pray for four hours, and you just think, well, I just kind of suck, I guess, because I can't, I can't do that. So we, we get in trouble when we compare ourselves um, to other people. So anyway, today my hope is that if you're in a place of dryness, you'll get something that's encouraging. Or if you're in a really good place of prayer, hallelujah, <laughs> that's great. But maybe there will be a bit of a challenge. Because um, Jesus is always saying, hey, I see that you're comfortable there, but come on, follow me. We're, gonna, we're going over here now. It, it's, yeah, it's just the way it is, all right? So, um, so Jesus didn't teach all that much about prayer, um, but what he did say was really, really important, and I think it, it gives us enough to get started and grow in prayer. So we're going to look at Matthew 6, 5 through 18, and I'm kind of cheating because we're really going to look at 5 through 8. And mainly seven and eight. (laughs) So, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. I love that, babbling pagans. Don't don't do that. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. So, and then he goes on and he, he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, which we all are familiar with. A great model of prayer and a great prayer. If that's all you prayed every day, you'd, you'd be doing pretty well. But the thing about that prayer is it takes maybe 20 seconds to pray it, right? So he's talking about these these babbling pagans who go on and on and on these long, flowery, hyper-religious technical prayers, and he's saying, don't do that. And he gives them this really short prayer, which is probably good news to some of you, right? It doesn't have to be. In fact, it's probably better if it's not a really long, hyper-religious technical prayer. So the pagans, they're, the biggest thing about this, I think the pagans were looking at God as some remote deity, and you had to get a lot of words, they had to be correct, and you had to hold your hand just right, whatever, um, but that's a little bit more like the world of Harry Potter than the kingdom of God. You guys, I know we're not supposed to like Harry Potter in church, are we? Oops, I really love Harry Potter. But in, in the Harry Potter world, you've got to say the spells just right. You've got to move the wand just right. And if you get it wrong, it blows up in your face, right? I love that, and that's really cool. But that's not what prayer is like. It's not going to blow up in your face if you get it wrong. There's a lot of space here to experiment. So we're not supposed to approach God like he's this distant, um, uh, relatively angry Uh, God. He's not Shiva the destroyer. He's not Odin. He is your father. That's that's a really big deal, especially back in that that stage of human history to to bring it in and say, if you've got a loving father, if you're that fortunate, that's what God is like. Okay. So we can't approach our prayers as some type of mechanistic, technical thing where we push the God button and like you were saying, he has to cough up what you asked him for. 
that doesn't work that way. It's alive. It's a real, a real conversation, a real relationship. So I've got, because um, this is the way my mind works, I like simple little phrases that kind of work as connectors to deeper theological truths. So I've got three of those I'm going to share with, with you that, that help me kind of recalibrate my prayer life when it's off a bit. The first one is just pray it simple. I think this is what Jesus is saying when he's saying, don't be like the pagans, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. It's very, very simple. So pray it simple. Pray it from your heart. Keep it honest. That's it. That's, that's really important. Number two is pray it real. And that means that you can pray like yourself. You don't have to copy somebody else who seems like they really got the prayer thing dialed in. And we, when we're first learning to pray, that can be really, really helpful. And uh, I copied people that I looked up to when I was a new believer and tried to do what they did. And it kind of got me going. But a lot of times it left me feeling a little out of sorts. Like, that's, this isn't really me. Do I have to, you know, I told a story at, at, over at Grace about when my wife and I were young hippie believers in the Jesus movement in 1973, we used to hang out at this really cool coffee house called Dayspring. And uh, it was just mainly young people. But this one guy, this old four square guy named Brother Abbott, um, who he would stand up on the coffee table with his Bible and he would preach very exuberantly and teach the scriptures. And he'd pray with a lot of feeling and emotion and I'm watching that and going, yeah, I can't do that. I guess I'm, I'm never going to be good at this prayer thing. I was not that bright, but eventually I figured it out. Uh, but anyway, when we compare ourselves, we, we kind of get stuck in prayer. Um, here's the biggest thing about praying it real. Um, in prayer, this is, and this is so important, don't think you have to bring some holy sanitized version of yourself into prayer. Um, I don't know what that is, this religious impulse we have, we, or maybe we've even been taught that. I know Kyle doesn't teach that, but somehow it gets into us like, I am not good enough to go and talk to God right now. Um, but the irony is, um, God already knows all of our stuff, and he's wanting us to come and bring it. He's not going to turn away in horror. He wants you to bring all of it. Back the dump truck up and just dump it there. It is really what he wants. He already knows you. And there's some scriptures, um, kind of scary ones, a couple places in the New Testament where Jesus talks to people who are very religious, and he says, I never knew you. And other people, like us who are just a little bit clueless. He says, yeah, yeah, you were, you, were, you were in prayer with me. We were in friendship together. So it's really important to come into God's presence, drop the facade, drop the fig leaf, bring all your junk, and um, don't worry about it not being holy enough, uh, it not being important enough, or if it's even unseemly. Uh, for example, you might you might have had a big fight with somebody or uh, not that I would ever do this, but you gave somebody the Hawaiian good, good luck sign on the freeway because they cut you off. But whatever your thing is, you feel like, well, that's unseemly. I'm still kind of seething about that. 
bring that into prayer. Bring it, bring it all. It sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? I don't, maybe not. I hope not. But if you're angry, if you're angry at God, wow, there's a conversation to be had, right? You know what? He can take that. And again, look at the Psalms. It's just replete with these deep, honest prayers. And here's the thing. Um, there are a few catalysts that we know of that will get a person unstuck. If you're feeling stuck in your growth, in your faith, your journey with Jesus, like, man, nothing's happened in a long time. My faith's not really growing. I don't know what it is. Try this. Go really deep and, and gut-level honest in your prayers with God. I guarantee you'll, things will start to shift. Things will happen. And it may be just stuff that's shifting in your heart. Things will happen. So it's really, really important. Okay. Um, here's another one that comes up a lot. I want to pray, and I sit down to pray, and it takes all of like five seconds, and my mind is way over here, way over there. I'm thinking about that thing at home, that thing at work, whatever. I would just say, instead of getting frustrated and kind of bashing yourself, just take a breath and think about that thing. Imagine it. Put yourself in that scene that your mind's preoccupied with anyway. And just say, Lord, is there something here to talk about? And see if the Holy Spirit might illuminate something for you in some way. Because if, if your mind is preoccupied with that thing or your heart keeps going there, again, even if it's something ungodly, say, God, this, this is where I'm at. Would you meet me in this and show me what I'm supposed to know here? Does that make sense? Yeah. Hopefully. Um, prayer is about noticing and naming what's real in your life. All right? If we're going to pray it real, inviting God into the real stuff of your life as it is, not as you wish it was, or as that really good Christian book says it should be, what's real in your life? That's where you're going to meet God, not in some imaginary thing that, you know, place you're going to get to 10, 20 years down the road. Right now. And God's totally good with that. That's plan A. So just, yeah, your real life. That's the stuff right there. Okay. Um, here's another one that's kind of interesting, and I've been experimenting with this lately. Anybody here ever talk to themselves? I'm the only one. Ah, thank you, Dan, and the, all the other Dans. Thank you. Um, Dans talk to themselves. You know, it's usually we do it when we're alone. Sometimes you do it even when there's other people around because you need somebody really smart, right, to listen to you. So you talk. <laughs> so you, t you talk to yourself. Um, it's just it's been one of those things, part of my real life that's kind of bubbled up, and I I think there is something prayerful about that. And I have yet, I've never read anything about this or even talked about it before now, but I think God is doing something in that. And with maybe with just a slight tweak, that, be, that could become prayer. So instead of me, you know, getting angry because I can't find, find the celery that I'm sure I bought, maybe, and I'm talking or I'm mumbling about it, maybe, that's, that's a moment of prayer. And it sounds so silly and so insignificant, but that's the stuff of our real lives. And God's all over that. He's interested in that. Go figure. I mean, he's, yeah, amazing. There's one of my favorite sayings, and uh, 
I quote this way too often, but is God is way better than we've made him out to be. All right? And prayer, this kind of prayer is where you begin to experience that kind of get out of your head, get into the stuff of your real life, meet God in that. That's when it starts to get really fun and really real. Okay? All right. Um, the last uh, of these three uh, points <laughs> of my three-point non-sermon is uh, pray it anyway. Pray it real. Pray it simple. Pray it real. Pray it anyway. Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Right? God is your father. Right? He's not Shiva, the destroyer, waiting to swat you. Jesus said, he already knows what you need. He cares about what you need. He already knows who you are. So there's really no reason to not bring everything to him, including the lost uh, celery or the lost loaf of bread, whatever it might be. So there's something, since God already knows what we need before we ask, and sometimes he says yes to what we ask for, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a little while, and sometimes he says, well, you're out of your mind. I'm never going to do that. That would be bad for you, right? Um, but he will, give us, he will give us some kind of answer, but he wants this collaboration. He wants a collaboration. And collaboration just means co-labor. So God is on a mission in the world, in the whole universe. We don't even understand it at all. But the missio Dei, the mission of God, he's going to do it with us, with us or without us, but he's inviting us to collaborate in his mission in the world. And as we begin to pray, it's bringing us into that mission. It's so there is, we're being invited into a relationship of mutuality, which is kind of insane when you think about it. There's mutuality in it. There's participation. And as we move into the mission of God, he begins to shape us and form us into the image of Christ. We begin to see things the way God sees them. We begin to even feel some of the things God might feel. Um, and here's the best thing. We actually begin to love other people the way God loves them. And trust me, that's not something I can do on my own. But the more I enter into prayer like this, the more I find just that, that love for other people in me. And that would be a whole other talk, stranger things talk. But yeah. So it's not just about asking and receiving. That's a part of it. Um, but it's about praying and being transformed. When we move into this space of prayer, God is waiting, and that's where he really transforms us. And as he transforms us, our prayer starts to transform the world also. So this is a big deal. This is central to everything we're doing, why we even do this on a Sunday. Uh, prayer is the substance of our relationship with God. It really is everything. It's not an add-on. It's not a religious duty or a checkbox. It is the thing. Um, but wait, there's more, okay? So prayer, that can sound really daunting. So if I'm saying, well, prayer is the whole deal, um, and you feel like, man, I don't even like praying. I guess I'm in trouble. Prayer is a whole spectrum, right? It's not just words. Prayer includes words and speech, but 
it's not limited to those things. And this is what's been really liberating to me over the last 15 years or so. Uh, I got to a place in my own prayer life where I just got kind of sick of hearing myself talk. It was that Peanuts thing. Remember the parents? You guys, have you ever seen Peanuts? Okay, they keep showing it 50 years later. And the parents, they talk. All, all the kids hear is wah, 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 wah. That's what my own prayers started to sound like. I, just, I was getting sick of it. And uh, God started showing me, not in, you know, mountaintop revelations, but through other people, that there's a lot of ways to pray. It doesn't just have to be the wah, wah, wah. So, again, prayer to me is more like this God space that we move into with intention. And we can do that anytime, place. And there's also prayer that's just happening. It just happens. It happens. If you're a follower of Christ, if you have the Spirit of God inside you, guess what? You know, we're, we're aware of this much of the iceberg above the, the surface. There's stuff going on below the surface, below our cognitive awareness all the time. That's the way the Spirit works. In Romans 8, 26, Paul said, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Spirit is working in us. And sometimes uh, prayers can just bob up to the surface, to our awareness. But my belief is that the Spirit's always praying within us. And that's kind of a beautiful thing to think about, isn't it? So on a, on a lazy Sunday, Sunday afternoon, you can lay down, take a nap, and go, well, I'm, I'm praying, right? Anyway, that's the way I like to think of it. So prayer, again, in the spectrum of prayer, prayer can be just communion, just being with. Do you, if you're fortunate, you've had this experience with somebody you're very, very close to that you know well, and they know you, and you can be somewhere. It might be on a canoe out in the river. It could be sitting on a bench looking at a sunset. You don't even need to talk. It's just this quiet, silent communion. Well, you can have that with God. There doesn't always have to be wah, 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 chatter, uh, a theological debate. It can just be this quiet stillness with God. That's totally acceptable. That's prayer, right? Uh, we could talk a lot about silence. It's one of my favorite ways of just being with God this season of my life. But there's a great scripture, Lamentations 3, 28 and 29. And this is the message version. And it says, when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. I like that. That sounds like kind of a Jedi move. Enter the silence. I like that, though. Enter the silence and just, just wait. You don't have to do a thing. Isn't that great? Wow. So good. And when we find silence, we find it's a space to listen. So it's not always just somebody talking. God will communicate. He's the self-communicating God. He will, he will speak. Mother Teresa said, we need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature 
trees, flowers, grass, grows in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. Do you ever wonder what Jesus did when he got up before the sun and he went out in the desert? I know it says he went out to pray, but have you ever wondered what that, what did he do? What was that like? Have you ever been in the desert at night before the sun comes up? Okay, then you'll relate to this. The rest of you use your imaginations. But a few years ago, my wife Tracy and I were driving uh, on a road trip. We were coming from Oregon back to Cincinnati, Ohio, where we live. And uh, we found ourselves on a uh, back highway in the desert. Sounds like an eagle song. A back high. There's this, yeah, so it was really cool. There's this two-lane highway way out in the desert. Uh, no street lights, no other cars, no houses, no light other than the headlights in our truck. And um, we had kind of, as I'm driving, I could look out and kind of see there looked like there were a lot of stars. So we thought, well, let's, let's pull off the road and look at the stars. They, they might be better than Cincinnati. Who knows? So we pulled off, killed the lights, shut the truck off, and just stood out there in the desert. And uh, no moon that night. It was pitch black. And up above, were, it was just a million stars. Another eagle song. There were a million stars all around. I'm dating myself. So, and it, But it was just so beautiful. And we could actually see the Milky Way. Did you know you can actually see that? It's not just in movies and National Geographics. You could actually see it. And um, it was so silent. Uh, you could feel the silence um, all around us. And the ancients, uh, the desert fathers and mothers, the people who went out in the desert, got sick of the corruption in the Roman church. They went out in the desert just to seek God in prayer. Um, you know, I thought it's it's kind of unfair because we we don't have easy access to this. But I'm standing out there thinking, well, gosh, no wonder Abraham could hear God talk. You know, God took him out of the tent out in the desert and said, look at the stars, Abe. That's what your kids are going to be like, your descendants. Like, well, no wonder. Um, so Jesus would get up before dawn. He would go out in the desert with the silence and the stars and um, he would commune with the Father. Now, um, we can't all just go out into the desert and, and find God. So I'm not, I'm not promoting that. Although if you ever get a chance, try it. It's pretty amazing. But here's the funny thing. So we probably stood out there between five and ten minutes. And it was beautiful. But it was kind of awesome and um, a little bit unnerving. And I think, well, that's what God is like. We find God in the silence, and there's a comforting, enveloping presence, but it's a little unnerving, too. Doesn't that sound like God, the fear of God? We love him. We revere him. He's the father with his arms wide open, but he is God after all. And there, it's, The immensity of that is, is huge. So, last couple of things here. So, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. And um, I like the passion translation. It says, when you go into your innermost chambers, I like that because that reminds me of my heart. Because my belief is, 
yeah, if you've got a, a regular prayer room, a place to go, a physical place, a regular time of day, absolutely do that. But we don't always have access to that. But you always have access to the innermost chambers of your heart and your soul. So I think you can always take a 10-second a, a retreat and move into that space of your heart and just be with the Father there. And I think I really think that's what Jesus is saying. So we have op- we have open access to God. I mean, it's uh, in, in, in the speed and noise of 21st century living and all these cool devices and all the stuff we have to do. It's so easy to miss out on that. And I can see why people seeking God would would leave all of it and go out into the desert and and just say, I, I want to be out under the stars with God. I get that. That's not an option for most of us. Paul said, pray without ceasing. So what that means to me now is I can't let my uh, my shame, uh, my sin, my anger, my uh, frustration, whatever it might be, my pride, I can't let anything keep me from being with God in this space that we call prayer. So when Paul says pray without ceasing, I think I have to believe what that means is that's not always going to look like we thought it had to look, right? So this would be my encouragement to you. Don't become a monk unless God calls you to do that. Don't don't feel like you have to pray like somebody else. You're going to probably find something that works really well for you, and that's that's good. But your very life, your real life, not the one you wish you had, this life right now is the raw material to meet God with, to pray about, right? So pray with that. Pray with your work. Pray with your play. Pray with your rest. And Kyle taught me that you can even pray in church, so I'm going to take his word at that. You can pray in church. You can pray with other people. You can pray alone. You can pray with words, music. You can pray with silence. But pray it simple. Pray it real. Anyway, sound good? Hey, I know, we could pray. Why don't we pray? Father, Son, um, Holy Spirit, um, thank you that indeed you are the way bigger and better and more welcoming than we sometimes dare to hope. Uh, You are here, you're with us. In you, we live, we move, we have our being. You are inescapable. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't escape your love and your presence. And we just say thank you, and we do invite you to work work in the real stuff of our real lives, to get our attention, to meet with us, to help us enjoy you. And in the enjoyment, to become more like you. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Um, Three things really fast. Um, First, on the back of your program, we kind of did a redesign there. And you'll notice it kind of, instead of just being this blank notes thing, it says, has two questions. What is God saying? What are you going to do about it? And that second question can sound snarky. It doesn't mean to. Um, the, a disciple is someone who hears God's voice 
and does what he says. Somebody who's following Jesus isn't the smartest person, isn't the person who serves the most, isn't the person who gives the most, isn't the person with the perfect church attendance, although some of those things may then become true, but a disciple is somebody who hears God's voice and does what he says. So we're kind of trying to reformat this so that you can leave on Sundays and say, this is what God asked me to do today. Um, so that's that first thing. So thanks, Dan, for giving us a lot. There should be, I would pray that there is something that you can say, I need to do this today. Second thing is if you liked what Dan had to say, on November 30th to December 1st, uh, we're doing a man weekend again of some kind, and Dan's coming. Uh, did you, you remember this? I couldn't tell if you were looking at me like that was news. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's put it this way. I, I believe I have at one point talked to Dan about this. Um, okay, Dan's just double-checking. So while he, yes, while he double-checks with his anxiety, and if not, we'll reschedule it. But Dan's going to come to that, or we'll come to a man weekend that we do at some point. Um, the other thing is if something about what Dan was describing, spiritual direction, have somebody come along say, okay, he's coming, good. Um, as Dan was talking about spiritual direction, interestingly, Art and Pam are being trained by Dan to do that work. And so if you need somebody to come alongside of you, um, Art and Pam, we just adore. And uh, although I'm sure Dan would be willing to be helpful too, we have some people planted in our community right here, which is really cool. So, you know, I, can you, could you hear Luke Collins trying to get in? He's like trying to like, let me, um, let me be a part of things. And uh, we come to this table every week because it's just that reminder that in, I'm gonna have to put this down, sorry team. Prayer, prayer is the substance of our relationship with God. So may you taste that and see that uh, in the days ahead. I love you so much. We'll see you next weekend. We're going to have baptisms. It'll be fun. Peace.